I'm Charlene. In these 20-minute podcasts, I talk with memoir writers about their books, their lives, and their writing process. Sharing like this helps us all connect. As we listen, we learn about the world through the eyes of others. Their stories help us expand our views and empathize more deeply with each other. It's my pleasure now to invite you to listen in to this episode of Life Story on Soul Sciences. Hi, listeners. I'm with Irene Allison, and I am so thrilled. You'll remember that Irene and her mother wrote a beautiful book called Stay, Breathe With Me, which is such a unique book in our lexicon and our libraries because in the book, the stories of people who are facing the end of their life are told from their perspective and how they dealt with obstacles and help from the system that they found themselves in, palliative care, hospice, doctors, and so forth, and that Irene Allison's mother, Helen Allison, is one of the great pioneers of palliative care, uh, comfort at the end of life care in Canada. So I am delighted to welcome you back, Irene, to our show. Oh, thank you, Charlene. It's really nice to be with here. There's just such a lovely energy talking with you and getting together and sharing things. It just, I, I feel very honored. So thank you. Oh, thank you for that great kudo from the heart. I really appreciate it. And today we're going to talk about writing in general and memoir in specific. What mm-hmm. is it? So let me lead off with a question to you, if you don't mind. What is it that drew you to the idea of recounting your story? Well, I think that, you know, it it wasn't a straight line. Nothing in my life has ever been in a straight line. Thank goodness. (laughs) I guess so. Maybe that's where all the interesting bits are in the detours. So I've had a life uh, full of detours. And in fact, I was joking once and saying, uh, you know, I don't even know where the beaten path is. And um, that made somebody laugh. But the, the truth of the fact is I've never found that path that, you know, that seems to be the path that everyone else is following. Somehow it hasn't been the case. So memoir, as an idea, I've always loved reading memoir. But I am also the kind of reader who actually reads a lot of different genres and a lot of different types of books. But what specific that really intrigues me about memoir is that you get to share very intimately with another person, the author, some parts of the human journey that you would maybe never have an experience of otherwise. And I feel that it's a very honorable place and a very a place of grace. It's almost a very sacred place to be there in that shared journey. When I started reading as a little girl, I loved story and all sorts of exciting stories and these magical places and everything else. But the underlying current that I think that unifies all of my focus has always been why. And the why is, why do people have those experiences? Why does that happen? Why does someone do that? And so it's that curiosity about all these different human experiences that sometimes are very common to mine and sometimes so different that it just expands my mind in a way that I couldn't actually do otherwise. 
because I've read memoirs by people where they're doing things I would just never do. And they've had experiences that are very unlikely, and in many cases, thankfully, won't happen to me. So I'm just so curious about humans and human behavior, the way humans interact, the way they heal from things, the new things discovered, the new things shared. So really, that's what draws me in. And, you know, I'm always reading memoir. It's always here. Interspersed with other books, too, of course, because I read a lot of nonfiction, and I also do read fiction, too. So, But it's that special sense of that intimate sharing. And I feel very privileged as a reader when I'm reading memoir. So I'm reading one right now about a woman who works as a therapist, and she's actually sharing the amazing grace of storytelling in the therapeutic process and how privileged she feels to be with her patients as they open up, slowly open up the cracks and go into the depths of experience that allows them to come forward and and to free them. And this is very interesting. I've never read a memoir by a therapist before. I've read memoirs by people who are struggling through things. Another memoir I read recently was a, a woman, and it answered, it really helped to answer a question that I hear thrown around a lot. This is a woman who wrote about being in an abusive situation, and what I loved about her memoir was there was no blaming that was just easy, and her whole take on it was, how did we get in this together? How did I end up with this other person who was just as well at intention does me mm-hmm. when we started out mm-hmm. how did we end up in this place and this particular author is a professional a very intelligent woman very capable and that helped answer a question that people do ask how can you be an intelligent powerful capable woman and end up in a relationship where there's an abusive edge or abusive nature to that how can that happen why do women stay in those situations So I felt very privileged to read her book because that really gave me a sense of how enmeshed and really at the core of it was an unwillingness to leave a dream that they had both planted at the same time. So these are such interesting things to read and experience and to look at. I like happy things, but I'm very interested (laughs) in looking at What goes wrong and why in our experiences? And then try to look at it in an open-hearted way as well. So there's Cheryl Strayed's um, wonderful book, Wild, I think it's called. Yes. Yes. And that book is an absolutely stunning presentation on grief, Hmm. on the nature of grief. Hmm. Now, maybe it's a story about her hiking a thousand miles with a a backpack that's way too heavy, but of course that's the (laughs) metaphor for the grief she's carrying. Mm -hmm. But really, truly, it's about her relationship with her mother and the devastating loss and how she worked through that grief. And it's just a profound testament to that. I have never experienced what she has experienced. I've certainly experienced grief and do have a lot of uh, grief in my life from, from different things. But the extent that she went through it and how she worked through it was something that I learned so much from. And I just, I felt bigger as a human being 
after reading that book. It's like my heart is expanded, my mind is expanded. I'm not the same person anymore. Brilliant statement. I'm sure that every author would love to hear someone, even one person, say that about their writing, that your writing made me a bigger person, a wider heart, a bigger space inside. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's the gift of, of wonderful writing, isn't it? It is indeed. To be able to impart experience and to share that. And there are some writers, the wonderful First Nations, Canadian First Nations writer who just died, Richard Wagamese. Okay. Wagamese, Wagamese. Sorry about that. I have a hard time saying his last name. I don't often hear it spoken. And exactly. I have a tendency to want to pronounce it in the Italian fashion. I used to live in Italy, so <laughs> I like to throw up my vowels all over the place. But anyway, Richard Wagamese. And his writing, which is so beautiful, he's written it as fiction, but it is very much informed by his own struggles as a survivor of the res residential schools and um, the abuse that he suffered, the alcoholism that resulted, and how he lost his family, being ripped away from them, but then how, as an adult still struggling with alcoholism, he was unable to provide a family for his own sons. Now, this is heartbreaking stuff. And Richard wrote books that dealt with those issues in such a graceful and beautiful way about redemption, forgiveness, and with a willingness to look into all the shadows of, of, of the darkness of experiencing these things, but to come out the other end with something redemptive, like the healing of a father-son relationship. So he's writing fiction, but he said that it was very much informed by his own experiences. So... This is work also that I read this and I do feel like I'm a bigger person. Like I feel that I have just taken in so much and feel blessed and changed. So those are the kinds of books that, are, that really touch me very deeply. So I feel grateful about that. Now in terms of myself and my own writing, I kind of, without even realizing it, fell into personal essay. And I hadn't realized I did it because... When I was young, I moved. I left home very young and moved to another continent. And so we had no internet and nobody did long distance calls at that time. So I would write letters. They would be long letters. Mm. <laughs> and people would always say, oh, Irene, it's such a thrill to get your letter because it would actually be these, these stories. And I didn't realize these were really personal essays that I was sending. But those are the good old days when we used to write with a pen and long hand. And, you know, you really feel like you're in your writing. It's beautiful. So... I kind of fell into that accidentally and just very much enjoyed doing that. I enjoyed taking some time to look at things in my life and, and consider them and see, see what's ironic or what's funny or what's odd or what's a learning experience and then playing with that in writing. So I've actually, I've just finished a, a first draft of a memoir, which is about running off to the wilderness when I was 50. And I mean to the wilderness with a man I just met on the internet and <laughs> congratulations I love that we are still wild women I do oh, I think wild, we have oh, to be wild women to the end what did they say 50 is the new 20 or something I don't well I mean it's amazing when you can still have 
extraordinary experiences oh, yeah. um, at any age. Exactly. And uh, so for me, it was a very stretching experience because pretty much I had lived in the Scottish Highlands for a while, but pretty much I was a city girl. And I'd lived in big cities like Paris, London, Milan, mm. uh, Toronto, big cities. And then here I was at 50 in the wilderness with no idea how to chop wood or anything. <laughs> so what happened? Do tell us. Oh, well, it was a learning experience in every single way. Not only with this new relationship, which I don't know that I would highly recommend running off uh, into such a difficult place with someone you don't know that well I think that you know <laughs> I can hear where there might be a few corners to be yeah. turned in that experience oh, so many but you know what I like to think about it is we were in the wilderness but the most biggest and challenging thing of all was the wilderness in our hearts yes so really that's what I got to explore and that's what the memoir is looking at as well not just mm. external challenges and I have to laugh at my human self because not even consciously, but there's this hubris about, oh, yes, we can do this. We can live in the middle of nowhere. I mean, literally the middle of nowhere, surrounded by wolves and bears and nothing else. And we can build and make this work. And nature kept giving us little hints that we were maybe just we'd bitten off a little bit more than we could chew. But every challenge that nature threw at us, we rose to the challenge oh, and we no. overcame it. And this I'm talking about wildfires, drought, spring runoff that closed up the road, wild windstorm that left us completely isolated by tearing down forests. I mean, it was unbelievable. So we were dealing with these gigantic things <laughs> and also this new relationship. What I came to realize as well was... Actually, nature was telling us, and we weren't really listening. So we had to be told many times with these big things happening that perhaps it wasn't as viable as we thought, living out in, in the middle of nowhere. But it was an extraordinary experience, and I don't regret it for a moment. It stretched me in every way imaginable, and I did learn how to chop wood and build fires. And right. <laughs> I just know that all of my listeners are saying, but what happened to the relationship? Did it last? Did you leave him? What happened? No, I know. What happened to the relationship? Well, of course, that's the key part in the memoir. So we had our challenges. And of course, in the memoir, it goes through that. And the emotional learning of finding first, you know, being so thrilled and so excited that we're off on this adventure together and then getting out there and thinking, Oh, now what? What have I got myself into? And then struggling through those things and the kind of learning that I came out of that. Yes, we are still together. Isn't that great? Uh, we survived that. And what it gave me was not just a tremendous learning about the wilderness, but an even more profound wilderness about my understanding about myself, what I call the wilderness in the heart. Yes. I had a friend once who said to me, as we progress through life and we learn more, we get what it is that we need. The next challenge will be exactly what we need in order to open up more. And I think that this is what happened with that relationship because it allowed me to laser in on things about myself that I don't know that I would have been able to otherwise. I don't want to give too much away. No, don't give too much away. No, no. I'm loving the picture in my mind of the power of a new love. To me, the power of a new love 
don't know if it's because of my trans neurotransmitters and the passion and the way in which my particular brain fires, but it, th to me there's nothing more exalted, nothing more absolutely high, nothing more profoundly spiritual, nothing that moves me as much as that, oh my God, you're really here, you're really alive, I know I've known you for a thousand years and this is all brand new and I can hardly stand it, which is probably <laughs> how I experience it. Maybe nobody else does, but it's kind of how I experience the whole kind of tumble. And to have that setting of nature, as you've described it, with nature just taking the energy of the two of you, that's how I see it, almost in a kind of shamanic way, that the energy you were creating together was so profound and so powerful that it was the gale force winds and the falling <laughs> down of the outside world and the complete, you're there, you have to depend on each other and that you chose it. And I can't imagine how many times you lay there at night with your eyes open saying, and I chose this, oh my goodness. Thinking. Yeah, there were a few times, Charlene, there were a few times that that, oh, certainly retirement's supposed to be easier than this. <laughs> yes. But I love what you're saying about that, that new love and the power of the new love. And really, part of what that power is, I think, not that I'm, you know, possibly explain it or describe it really but I think suddenly we are more than just ourselves we live so much in life in a in mode of disconnect even if we don't consciously mean to you know we stay very much in our in ourself and a new love brings you right out of yourself and it makes you feel like you are connected to this other yes and and so there's a an opening up it is there's a cosmic sense of that because it is an opening up yes. and it breaks through that disconnect and that individualism and the ego masks and everything and you just sort of open up and suddenly I think that's part of feeling the feeling bigger you know that, that may well be but I have and I love how you describe this I love how you describe it personally I've kind of gone backwards everything about my life has been backwards which I've just learned to just enjoy and be okay with and I actually it's not that I don't have ego masks and all the conundrums that go with it but I'm highly highly psychic 110 percent so I'm never alone <laughs> anybody thinks about me they're right there in my brain this is literally and I've done the research on myself watched it carefully through my meditation practice and realized every time I think about someone I need to relax because they're going to contact me. Every yeah. single time there's no doubt and if I get a very strong feeling about that person I will know what's going on before they come into me verbally or visually or whatever it is they're going to however they're going to connect with me. So that's handy because part of my family live a long way away but it's a little strong when it comes to this, you know, this idea of the first love because now I'm torn apart even more because that connection is so intense that I've had to learn how to walk my way through. And the reason I'm talking about it is I think there's probably more people than we know who experience life this way, a kind of a backwards way where the problem is getting the boundaries, not having them. Yes, yes. And so walking through a new love experience with my determination to begin to learn, well, that's him over there and that's not me over here. That's I can still be here and he can be over there and if he's thinking and I get those feelings, that's okay, but it doesn't mean I have to do anything. 
You know, it's this kind of learning curve because there's there's no literature on it. Maybe I should write about that. There you go. Yes, absolutely. Mm. And Charlene, you know what you're saying there about boundaries. I think the whole issue of boundaries is such a big question for so many yeah. women. It comes up a lot in the yeah. memoirs that I've been it reading. Does. I read one about uh, written by a, a young woman about her and her mother. And her issue was her mother... She felt her mother had, was transgressing her boundaries too much. Right. And she was trying to learn how to create her own boundaries. Right. And, and this was such a big learning for her because it was not something that she had learned as a child. So she was learning it as a young adult. Right. But I think a lot of women, even the, the women I read recently with the abuse of marriage, I actually read two with those issues were coming up as well. And I so. think that has to do with the relationship to the mother because the relationship with the mother is, uh, if we look very, very traditionally, it is very complicated compared to any relationship with the son or the father, where the male is a lot more direct, the male is a lot more simple. Women are yes and no. We are both. And therefore, when we relate to our mothers or our mothers relate to us, we've almost got four aspects right away. We've got the yes and no of the mother, the yes and no of the daughter. And so trying to find the face that belongs to you, especially because our mothers very often have a in the generation I came up with, she had a very prescribed view of how the culture functioned and therefore, by God, how I was going to behave. And man, I was the wrong daughter for that. I just took one look at that from the time I was a little kid in my dad, my brother's blue jeans and my cowboy hat, my pistol on my hip, literally looking at her like, I don't think so. We are not going to do it that way. <laughs> this poor woman had to deal with this completely willful, wild, ruffian child. So the, the idea there of not being able to mirror the mother, we, get, we talk about it a lot, like the baby girls love to mirror and they love to be with their mother's smile. Yeah, we do and we don't. We do yes. and we don't. We do it and then we fight like crazy, or at least if you're like me, you do. And maybe it was just me, but I fought a lot. And so finding that sense of identity, that centeringness, that I don't think we have it the same way that men do. We have always, I believe, that sense of other that we include, that we mm -hmm. want to include, that we are full. Even the way you're talking about memoir, mm -hmm. I, I almost can't imagine a man saying, Yes, I read that book and I got to be a bigger person as a result. <laughs> that they wouldn't, and I love men, please. I'm not a male hater at all. But I think that that is what you're saying is a very specifically womanly way of approaching a piece of writing from someone else's story of, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that makes me a bigger person because now I have that. That is also yeah. me. No boundaries. Brought boundary. that experience. Yes, brought that experience in. Yeah. I, want, I wonder too, Charlene, it's very interesting what you're saying, and I wonder too if there's a willingness for women to, because we do learn as little girls, we talk a lot more, we, we do share stories with one another a lot more, mm -hmm. so maybe that is coming from an earlier age, and I think maybe there's a, a willingness to hear one another, listen to one another, Have to. and mm -hmm. I don't want to talk in stereotypes, uh, but I think that sometimes men may not realize that, yes, you can learn from others. And uh, I, I certainly, I know there's lots of men who do, but with the same kind of willingness that women easily will share information, 
like around a lunch or a potluck or something. Yes, yes, yes. There's a there's and, and that share of themselves in such an yeah. easy way. Yeah. Well, Irene, this is just such a wonderful conversation, but I do have to say we have to close it up for today. But I'm so sorry because we're just getting started. But we can look forward to more podcasts in future, may we? You'll come back. Oh, absolutely. Thank absolutely, Charlene, because we've got lots more to explore there for sure. We have. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charlene. Bye for now. That's it. That's all for today. Many thanks to Kevin McLeod for that lovely music, Carefree. And many thanks to all of you who make these podcasts possible. Remember, take good care of each other. Bye for now. Thank you.